Welcome to church. I don't know how to follow any of that up. I, I don't really know where to go from here. But anyway, we are glad that you're here. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're brand new uh, to ACF, we're just glad that you're with us uh, today. We are a church that's about amplifying the grace of Jesus to the churched and the unchurched and the dechurched. And uh, whatever category you may find yourself in today, I just want you to know that this is a safe place to ask questions, to wrestle with your faith and your doubts. And that's kind of what we're about as a community. And then moving forward together. And so we are starting a new series of talks called Past Forward. And there's going to be a bit of a theme of music and uh, some throwbacks. You saw some Pac-Man in the lobby. It's like any other skill. When you don't use a skill for a while, you lose it because I am terrible at Pac-Man. I didn't realize that. I haven't played in like 20 years. So um, anyway, get out there, play some Pac-Man, enjoy hanging out. But we're going to be sharing songs every single week uh, that actually correlate with the topic of discussion. So uh, if you've been waiting for a time to bring a friend to church, this is going to be a great series for that. If you see a moving truck in your neighborhood this week, that is an opportunity uh, to go over there, invite them. There's also some welcome home signs in the lobby. I can't tell you how many great conversations I've had with my neighbors just over that little sign in the front yard. So uh, we'd encourage you to use that just as a way to start conversations about uh, your church family here uh, in Eagle River. So uh, music's powerful, isn't it? Music is so powerful. If I, hear a, um, if I hear a song by the Backstreet Boys, I am 13 years old in Minot, North Dakota at a dance at Memorial Junior High School trying to ask a girl named Jessica to dance. Never did it. Never did it. Totally failed at that opportunity. But it brings me back. And for you, uh, you probably have songs that when you hear them, you just crank it in your car because it takes you to a certain time and a certain place in your life. And, and you get to kind of reminisce about a different season and a different time. And, and, and that can be really fun, right? It can also be really painful. Uh, sometimes there are certain songs that you're like, let's just scan to the next station. Let's just skip this on uh, the iPod because I don't really want to think about that season of life or that issue that I went, to, went through at that time. And well, we're going to talk a lot about pain today because uh, pain really shapes who we are, doesn't it? I mean, more than some of the successes that we experience in life and the good moments and those memories of, you know, I went to Disneyland as a kid or, you know, I got the promotion at work or, you know, graduated college. Sometimes our pain uh, makes us who we are more than anything else. And what I would say is that in our society, here's kind of the story. Just get past your pain, right? Get past your pain. Move on to better things. Just, just move beyond your pain. And I would say that that has created a whole lot of people who have a whole lot of trash in their past that they've never dealt with. And uh, anybody else got a past? Anybody? Come on, honest church people. Be honest in church. So uh, everybody in church, even the ones that just lied in church, now have a past because they lied in church. We all have a past. We have a story of things that we've been through, and those things shape us. But for many of us, we don't want anything to do with that moment. We don't want to listen to the song. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to bring it back up. But I'm just going to tell you, although you may think the, the best things are just by getting past your past, I think even better things are by getting through your past. I think you actually have to go back to that place. It's why if you've ever had counseling, um, which I would re- recommend to anybody and everybody to just go get some counseling. It's, it's not just for messed up people. Um, actually, it is. We're all messed up. And so we all kind of need counseling. And when you go in for counseling, one of the first things they do is they say, let's go back in time a little bit. Let's take you to your childhood. Let's take you to uh, that, that relationship that fell apart and, and what happened in that moment. Let's take you to some things that were said 
said to you by your parents, some things that maybe were said to you by a teacher or a mentor. Let's take you back to those places so that you can actually process through your pain. And I think there is great potential on the other side of your pain if you're willing to go back through it. So we're going to spend a few weeks, um, all of us people with a past, digging back. And, and I want to encourage you as we have this talk to take this conversation with you into the car and into conversations this week with your coworkers and with your friends that, that you could dig back a little bit, not to just dig up old wounds, but actually process through your pain. That song that we just shared song by Imagine D- uh, Dragons is written by a guy named Dan Reynolds. And, uh, and he actually was interviewed about this song. And here's, here's the quote from his interview. He says, the meaning of the song is really reflecting on specific things in my life that were painful, whether it was anxiety and dealing with crowds, feeling overwhelmed by that or the success of the band, disease, going through depression, anything that was a source of pain in my life. And just rising above that, finding a place of perspective where I could be appreciative of the pain in my life and make it, listen to this, my greatest strength. Now, there's a lot of truth in that statement, isn't there? I don't know where this man's at with Jesus, but he is tapping into a deep biblical truth that on the other side of your pain can be some of the greatest potential in your life if you're willing to go through it. And what you may not know about this man is that he actually suffers from an autoimmune disease. And as he gets up to sing this song, every time he sings, he feels pain. So as the man sings about pain, the man feels a lot of pain in his body. And he's had to actually work through that to find good things on the other side of the pain. Now, most of us, once again, we don't celebrate pain. We want to avoid it, but uh, we need to actually walk through it. And so I'm going to ask you to kind of take a trip back in time in your mind, uh, a trip back to that place of pain, even though maybe you want to avoid that. And I would say that here's the deal. You need to go backwards to go forward. And, and here's what I mean by this. So I actually went out hunting this week. Anybody been hunting this season? Any hunters in the room? Uh, so I was able to go out hunting with some friends, and, and uh, we went way back in the woods and, and found this trail with my Jeep. And so we, we woke up early on opening morning of moose season and, uh, you know, opened the tent, and everything's frozen and frosty. It's like 4.30 in the morning. And we planned on going up on top of this mountain on this trail that we'd found. And, uh, and so we, we got everything loaded up. It's 5 in the morning. You barely can see daylight, and we're just making our way through uh, the woods. And we get up on top of this hill on this trail, and I come up over this berm, and the Jeep just stops. You know that sick feeling? You guys know this feeling where you're in the middle of nowhere, and the vehicle you're in cannot move? And, and so I open the door, and I realize we are to the floorboards in this terrible muskeg mud. And you guys know if you've ever wheeled anything in Alaska, that when you get stuck in Alaska, you are stuck for a while, right? Because it's just bottomless. There's nothing underneath this. And so I get out, and I'm looking around, and of course there are no trees to winch my Jeep to. There's nothing around. There's no hunters. It's just me and my hunting partner. And you know, we're scratching our heads, looking at this thing. We start throwing like sticks underneath the Jeep and, you know, trying to pick it up a little bit, just worthless, you know. And, and I realized as we're working on this and, and my friend's like, hey, how do we hook it to something in front of us? How do we pull it forward? Can I get in the back and can I just push us through the mess? And I was like, here's the reality and you don't want to hear this. We actually have to go backwards if we want to go forwards. 
We're actually going to have to go through the mess that we just made to be able to go around it and actually get out. Ultimately, we got towed out by some dude in a big Bronco. It was great. We didn't have to do a whole lot of work, but it, it worked out. But, but the reason I want to share that is because oftentimes we don't want anything to do with going back through the mess, but it is the place that we need to go to move forward. I'm going to share, a, a, a start us off with a passage that for me in my life, you guys, this has been one of the most instrumental verses um, in the Bible. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You can open to it if you have a Bible with you or you can just follow along on the screen. But when I, I just want to tell you, when I first found this passage of scripture, it changed how I viewed God and it changed how I viewed myself. And up, up until this season of my life, I had always thought that Christianity was all about just getting better. Like everything about Christianity was just becoming a better person and I need to get better. And when I find Jesus, he's going to fix all my issues. And when I found this passage of scripture uh, that was penned by a man named Paul, um, I, I actually changed my perspective on this in a really life-changing way. So this man at this point is sort of defending himself. He's come up underneath a lot of scrutiny. Um, a lot of people have it out for Paul. And if you don't know about Paul, Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He actually uh, sort of made a living out of murdering Christians. And then through this miraculous moment when he was struck blind, he encountered Jesus and his life was transformed. So the man then is now, uh, I would say, apart from Jesus, the most influential man in our faith ever. So this man goes from crucifying Christians to then being a Christian. Can you say baggage? right? Can you say a past, a story? Can you say difficult to find friends in the church, right? Like you killed my buddy last week. We're not going to have a small group together. I don't want to hang out with you. Just a a past, right? And so he's being, uh, he's being persecuted and he's being criticized. And people are like, hey, Paul, you are proud and arrogant. And he's wanting to communicate who he is. He says this in verse seven. He says, so to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. In other words, um, it would be easy to become arrogant uh, as you are a teacher. And this is something that I think a lot about as I come to you with the word. Uh, It'd be easy to become an arrogant person. And so he's basically saying, God has worked through me, revealed things through me, and to keep me from becoming an arrogant jerk, he says this, a thorn was given me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Now now this this statement, three times, it could mean hundreds and thousands of times, but Paul's basically saying, lots of times I have asked God to take this from me. But he said to me, listen to this, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So this truth that this artist said in in this interview, it's deeper than just one man. It's actually God's truth. That when we are weak, when we understand our weakness, that is the foundation for us actually becoming strong. And I want to just talk real quick about the fact that he prayed for it to go away. And I don't know if you're actually going back in your mind to this place of pain and this situation that you just want to ignore from the past. If you're just thinking, God, can you remove it from my life? 
Can I just never have to think about it again? Can I just get over it? Maybe you're still dealing with some of the repercussions of that situation or those things in your past. And you're just like, God, would you take it away? You see, here's the thing. We want substitution, but God wants transformation. We want substitution. We're like, God, can you just take away my pain and replace it with unicorns and butterflies and happy thoughts? Can you just make my life better? And God's like, no, I can't because you don't know who you'd be if you did not have that pain. And I think about that in my life and I wonder sometimes with the struggles that I've gone through in my world, who I would be apart from my pain. Do you ever think about that? Now we're like, oh, I don't want my pain. I don't want to deal with it. I think I'd be a happier person. Yeah, but you might be a jerk, right? And you might not have any perspective and you might be somebody that people can't relate to. And in fact, some of the most amazing connections and things that you've done in your life, maybe for God, have happened not because you didn't have pain, but because you did. It it came through the pain that you experienced. When I started um, leading worship, it was about 13 years ago, I started singing in church and um, at a smaller church, they had one service on a Sunday morning. And so, you know, I'd get up, I'd sing four songs and I'd get down. Well, over the years, I started to go and to be part of different churches and, and I'd have to sing more and more and more. And our band, they're awesome, aren't they? I just love those guys. And Mason, he, he leads worship every single week and he deals with this as well. But, but I, I got to the point where I was singing a lot during a week and it came up to, you know, our, our later service on a Sunday morning and I would have no voice left. And I'll tell you guys, for me, um, this was a big deal. This was like an identity-threatening thing because many times we find our identity in what we do, right? Just to, we admit that. We find our identity in what we do. And so here I am. I'm, I'm leading worship, singing at church, and I can't sing by the time that I get to normally the, the biggest service on a Sunday morning. And I was frustrated with myself. And I, I'll tell you guys, it was really hard for me. And I'm praying. I'm like, God, take this away from me. And God took me to this passage. And I just had to soak in these words to keep me from becoming conceited. God gave me a thorn. And for you, it may be something different. It may be a story in your past. And I, I, can, I could list to you many things from my past that God has, I'm asking him, just take it away. I don't ever want to think about it, about it again. And yet it's still there. And, and it makes me human. And it allows me to connect with people. And it gives me opportunities that I wouldn't have had had he just released me from my pain. I want substitution. God wants transformation. I want an explanation sometimes. Notice that God, God just says, I'm, I'm going to allow this in your life to show you that my grace is enough. I'm not going to tell you exactly everything I'm going to use this for. I'm not going to tell you why this thorn is in your flesh. And in fact, I think it's, it's by God's grace that we don't know what Paul's thorn is. Otherwise, we would take this passage and whittle it down to something that maybe Paul, maybe it was some kind of sight issue or, you know, some kind of physical ailment or some kind of personal struggle. We might like boil this down to just Paul's thing. Instead, we don't know what it is. And so anybody in this room, you can take this and you can take the truth of this passage and apply it to your life. Paul wanted an explanation as many, much as any of us would, but instead he doesn't give us an explanation. He just gives us a promise. And what I want you to know is we don't, we don't make it through life on explanations. We make it through life on promises. You can understand, you know, a situation, understand why, but when you know who God is, despite your pain, you can get through it. You can get to the other side of it. In fact, there may be even better things on the other side of your pain, even without an explanation. So I don't know what you've been taught about your pain, maybe taught to just kind of get through it. 
right? Or, or get around it. Maybe you've been told this, just put on your big boy pants, right? Put on your big girl pants. Maybe you've been told just to grind it out. Um, if we've got some military people in the room, this is a great statement that you guys use all the time. You've been told to embrace the... <laughs> I love it. I just made church people say suck on a Sunday morning. That's awesome. Embrace the suck, right? So that's a statement that you're like, I, I hate that statement. But it's, it's reality. At some point, you kind of embrace it. But I don't want you to just embrace that, yeah, I have a terrible past and uh, terrible things that either I have done or that have been done to me. I don't want you to simply embrace it. I want you to go through it. And I want you to come out on the other side of it and do more than simply handling it. I want you to actually use your pain. Do you know that you can use it? That it can actually multiply? Uh, when, when you actually trust God through your pain, trust that His grace is sufficient enough, maybe, maybe He doesn't want to take it away from you right now for whatever reason, but His grace is sufficient enough for it. He's going to use it. James 1, uh, verse 2 is, um, I'll be honest with you, one of my least favorite verses in the Bible. So I go from one of my favorite to one of my least favorite, and uh, maybe you'll get why. Verse 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, I don't love that verse um, because I don't find joy in my pain. And yet he says that you can actually look at your pain even when you're in it or going into it, you can look at it and say, you know what this is going to produce? It's going to produce steadfastness. It's going to keep me stable. It's going to force me into the grace of Jesus instead of allowing me to try to operate apart from it. Because how many of you know that when life's perfect, you don't go run into church? It's not very often that people show up on Sunday morning and they're like, hey, I'm brand new to church and I came here because life is amazing. You know, my marriage is perfect. My kids listen to me. You know, I'm paying the mortgage. I just got a raise. I thought, let's go to church, right? No, it's like everything fell apart. And so those people changed my oil last year at Impact Eagle River. And I think they're Christians. They're supposed to love me. Maybe I'll go hang out with them, right? And so people go to church for a lot of reasons. Typically it's not because things are great. You see, we can count it joy as we go through pain, and we can do this together because through the pain, especially as we do this in community, we can then experience steadfastness and work through it. I want you to write this down. Pain always produces, but you decide the product. Do you know that pain will always be producing things in your life? Um, it, it is a powerful force as you go through things. And it will produce things. It will change you. And you can probably see this as you've walked through difficult change, uh, situations that you are a different person on the other side of your pain than you were before you walked through it. The question is, what did your pain produce in your life? What did your pain produce? Did you walk through the pain or did you avoid it? Jesus always loved to use agricultural type of illustrations, right? Because he lived in an agricultural society. And so I could say that your pain is like little seeds being tossed into your life. And some of those seeds, maybe, maybe you tossed them in. Some of those seeds, somebody else tossed in. Maybe, maybe you're like, okay, I know that this was God's will. He tossed this into my life for whatever reason. And, and as those things get tossed into your life, something will sprout and grow. And what you can do is you can just sort of let it grow wild. 
You can just see what might pop out of your life, you know? And, and some people do that. And, and some people become victims to their pain, right? It's like, well, I'm a jerk because I went through hard things. Or, you know, well, I've, I've had a lot of difficulty in my life. And so this is why I am who I am. So you can just sort of let it shape you or you can dig out the unhealthy crops. And you can decide what are things that will produce good fruit in my life and what are not, and then get rid of those things. You see, Paul didn't ignore the thorn in his flesh. He didn't ignore it. He actually learned from it. And he actually chose to let it produce humility in his life. Clearly, what we're seeing here is that Paul would have had an issue with arrogance. And I think we all can relate to that. This feeling that, hey, I'm, I'm pretty awesome all on my own. Maybe I don't need God's help. Even in the work of God, it can produce arrogant, arrogance in your life. Trust me, just sit down with me. I can tell you that. And, and so you have to be careful about this. So Paul's like, listen, I don't want that to be who I am. I want it to produce something better in my life. So I'm going to dig out arrogance and replace it with hum- humility and allow my pain to produce something healthy in my world. I, so I grew up as a military kid moving from place to place. And when I talk to people whose parents were in the military, this is always sort of a wound in their life. Like, I remember I was always the outsider, always the kid that didn't fit in, always the new kid at a new location. And so I could have used that um, later on in life just to isolate myself and just to separate from relationships and be like, you know what, it's just too hard to love people because you go away and then you're not with them anymore. Instead, what I've realized and, and done over the years is that you only get so much time with people and that's always the case. So you might as well love them well while you have them. And so, so this is an opportunity for you to take your pain and allow it to produce something healthy in your life. But you have to go back through it. You have to go backwards if you want to go forwards. And so unprocessed pain, I don't know if you have unprocessed pain, it can produce a lot of things. And just take an inventory of, of your own life. Uh, the first thing it can produce is bitterness. Maybe you see bitterness, just I'm bitter with God, bitter with people. I'm just bitter about my situation because I can't change it. I feel so helpless. Maybe you feel like a victim, and so you've become bitter. Another thing it can produce is uh, fear, right? How many of your fears go back to a piece of pain in your life that you didn't process through? And so maybe you haven't even thought about it, but you've got this fear of relationships, and, 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 or, or you don't really even want to consider uh, starting to date again or whatever because you have this ba- bad relationship you came out of in your past, and, and you're still carrying that pain with you, and so you're afraid of moving forward. Maybe you've got a pain of, of trying a new thing, getting that different job, quitting the thing that you hate to go do something that maybe you don't. But somewhere in your past, you failed when you tried to do that. And it did not work out the way you wanted it to. And because of that pain, you have fear. And you don't want to step forward and try new things. So bitterness, fear, isolation from others. How often does our pain cause us to isolate from people? And you guys, listen, as a pastor, this breaks my heart because when people are going through the hardest things of their lives, that's when they need community the most. And instead, that's when people disappear. I cannot tell you how often I'm like, hey, where's Bill? You haven't seen him in a while. And somebody's like, yeah, he's going through a hard divorce. And I'm like, ouch, that's rough. That's Let's check on it. Let's see how he's doing. And it, it, it breaks my heart that typically for people going through difficult things, they don't lean into community. They actually run from it. I think there's a real fear. There's maybe fear of judgment in the church, right? But you guys need to know we are a church grounded in the grace of Jesus because we all need it as much as the person next to us. Amen? 
And so because of that, we can be who we are amongst each other. And so we are grounded in the grace of, I think the grace of Jesus is the foundation for all of these teachings. So isolation from others, I think isolation from God. Sometimes we isolate from God because of our pain, don't we? We were like, what kind of God would allow this to happen? I want explanations. I want answers, God. You have to tell me more than my grace is enough for you, right? I want some real answers. And so because of that, we go, I, I don't know. It's not enough, God. Your grace and a good answer is enough for me. And so we pull away from God when we should be leaning into God. For many people, pain produces self-centeredness, Right? I mean, when, when, you, when you get hurt, the natural inclina- inclination is to, to flinch, right? Anytime you, you get hurt, you, you flinch. And, and you, you got to focus on yourself a little bit. And so because of that, I hear this all the time. People are like, you know what? I'm just taking care of me right now. I'm, I'm just focusing on me right now. And, and I can't tell you how often I hear that. And, I, and, and I'm just thinking to myself, that's the last thing you need to do is just think more about you right now. What you need to do is think about some other people right now. And I'm telling you, the only way to get perspective on your pain is to think about others and not yourself quite so much. And so this is a different way of seeing things than I think the world around us. And Jesus, he always gravitated towards people in pain, didn't he? He just loved to hang out with people who are dealing with painful situations. Flip over to John chapter 9, if you would. And this is where we're going to close out uh, today. At this point in Jesus' ministry, he encounters this man on the road that's a blind man. And maybe you've heard this story before. And it's such an interesting story of a man who experiences pain. Now, um, we didn't really get a great view of the eclipse this year, did we? Um, (laughs) Yeah, kind of anticlimactic here in Alaska for a variety of reasons. But I did see some really cool videos on Facebook of of the the eclipse. And it's, it's funny, like whole cities of people going crazy for a moment in the dark, right? We're so used to being able to see everything. I think for most of us, we can't even imagine what it would be like to not be able to see. We can, we, we've always been able to see, and so this doesn't even connect with us. But to lose your sight or to not have any sight, would, well, that would change your life, wouldn't it? I mean, that would change everything about your life. This man was born blind. That's his story. Let's pick it up in verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So interesting, the disciples are reflecting the Jewish theology of the day was, was that your blindness or your pain or your physical ailment was actually tied to your sin, right? And so these disciples see a man on the side of the road and they kind of treat him like a science experiment, right? Right? And instead of going like, hey, there's a guy, can we feed him? Can we help him? Can we, can we assist him? Let's check in on him. They're like, hey, this is a great opportunity to learn something about Jesus and about God. And so they go to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, what's up with this man? Who sinned? This man or his, or his parents? They're assuming that since he was born blind, either he sinned, maybe in the womb, which I'm trying to figure that out, or his parents sinned. They did something. And so because of their sin, he was born blind blind. What the disciples want to do is they, the first thing they want to do when they see pain is blame someone. And maybe this is your journey. It's for you, the way you deal with your pain is try to figure out who's to blame. But I'll tell you this, the blame game never fixes our pain. It doesn't make it better. 
It doesn't, it, normally what it does is it makes it worse. It breaks your relationships. It makes you bitter. It makes you angry. It, you'll find out finding the, the, the source of your pain or the person that caused it doesn't just fix it. doesn't make it better. The disciples are focused on who's in charge of this, who caused this thing in this man's life. That's what we want to know, Jesus. It's all about who is to blame in this situation. Verse 3, Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but catch this, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So notice Jesus transcends their blame game and focuses on transformation. He focuses on restoration. He focuses on the works of God being used by this man. He focuses on redemption. And I want to encourage you today, if you're here and you're like, I I just want to blame this person, or I just want to blame myself, to focus on the redemption of your pain, to actually walk through it. It was not that this man sinned or his parents. Verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus is talking about the fact that he's not going to be here forever, right? So he's doing his work in the world, and a a time will come where Jesus will not be on this earth anymore. Having said these things, he, this is so gross, he spit on the ground. When you read the Bible, you just got to acknowledge weird stuff, right? There's just weird stuff in the Bible. He spits on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go, Wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. It's amazing. This is amazing. So I'm just like reading this going, this, Jesus, you couldn't have come up with a different way of doing this? I mean, something different, like somebody get me a cup of water. We're going to make some mud. I mean, he, he spits on the ground. And, and you think about the way that Jesus heals people. It's almost like there's no rhyme or reason. He just, whatever he chooses in the moment, he uses those things to heal people. I I think it's to keep people from thinking it's about the the way he healed them to knowing that he is the actual healer. Uh, He he doesn't want anybody thinking like, wow, spit's pretty miraculous, right? Uh, Just just spit on people. All of a sudden we're spitting on everybody thinking that's going to heal them. He doesn't want that to happen. So he just changes the way he does things all the time. But for this moment, he's like, I got dirt. I got spit. Let's make some mud, right? And so he spits on the ground, makes some mud, puts it on the man. The man's, what's the man thinking at this point? Does somebody even tell him? He's blind, right? So he's just sitting there, right? And somebody's like, he's going to put spit on your eye. I mean, what did this conversation look like? So he puts the, the muddy spit on this man's eyes. And Jesus says, go and wash it off. Well, I think there's a few interesting things going on there. What you need to understand is that spit was, I mean, we think it's gross, but for the Jewish culture, when you had somebody else's spit on you, it's unclean. Like you would have had to be pressed out of community and been rendered unclean. And so this was a really gross thing that the religious leaders would have been like, no, spit's not okay. Like you can't. So Jesus takes their religious system. He takes their rules and he, he changes them. And he says, listen, I am what is clean. Don't let anybody tell you uh, what is unclean and clean compared to what I say is clean. So he takes what they say is unclean and uses it to make somebody healed, to give them sight. Jesus is actually making a religious and a political statement, I think, by using something that people think is kind of not just gross, 
but actually unclean, something that they would think would make this man unacceptable before God. And Jesus takes it, makes some mud, and heals the man through it. I think, once again, Jesus changes their perspective on what is right and what is, what is wrong. And what you need to understand is that when the man was healed, oh, and this happened on a Sunday, no less. <gasps> on a Sunday, the man is healed. When he was healed, then the religious leaders, they start, they start talking amongst themselves because this is a cool party trick, right? Spit, dirt, mud, heals the man. So they start asking this question, how was he healed? How was he healed? How did this happen? And they hear about this situation. They go find the man. And they're like, hey, tell us, how were you healed? And this is our natural inclination too, isn't it? When we've gone through pain or we see somebody in pain, we just want to see it get fixed. We want to know how can you get healed. If you've ever run into somebody that maybe um, has lost a lot of weight and you haven't seen them in a long time, and you run into them on the road, you're like, wow, you look great. What's the next question you ask? How did you do it, right? What's the diet? Did it just cut out carbs? Or, you know, are you just, is it the treadmill, the ab roller plus? Like, what is it that you're spending all your time doing that's made you lose so many pounds? Like, what is it? How did you do it? This is what we want. We want the diet. We want the pill. We want the fix to our pain, don't we? Just give me the quick fix. Now, you can get things fixed. I mean, you can kind of work around things. And fixes are found in how, but freedom is found in who. I think that these religious leaders were asking the wrong question when they're asking how. How did he get healed? What was the process by which he got healed? Instead, they need to ask, who healed him? You see, in the end, this wasn't about spit on the ground or even about this man's blindness. This was about the glory of God being revealed through a man's terrible situation. And don't you want that? Isn't that redemption? Like, isn't that the best that any of us can ask for? When the rest of the people around him are going, who's to blame, who's to blame, who's to blame? Jesus shows up and says, don't focus on the blame game. I want to show you that I'm your healer. And I want to show you how good I am. And I want, to, I want to caution you in this just a little bit because what I see a lot of times is people do come through painful situations. Most of you have a story like this where you went through something and you came out the other side and maybe you did see a little bit of redemption. And I, I remember a, a girl came up to me after a church service one time as I was talking about this. And she was like, you know what, Brian? Um, I look back on my past and, and, you know, in high school, I just, you know, I was kind of sleeping around with some different people and um, I didn't even pay any attention and I just, I got pregnant and it became one of the most difficult seasons of my life for me and for my family and it was just really hard and, uh, but, but she's like, you know what, um, I, I, had, I had the baby, we worked through it and she said, now I work with uh, teen moms, right, I work with teen moms and uh, I help encourage them and give them resources to work through this. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Here's what she, she said to me, though. She goes, she goes, now I can see that it was always God's plan for me to get pregnant. And I was like, Let, let's, let's work on that for a second. Because I don't think that God wanted you to simply just get pregnant to experience all of this. I, I would say that what you need to say is that God's redemption is so beautiful through my situation. 
And, and it, many of us can say this, well, you know, I, I screamed at my, my wife, I screamed at my husband, I worked, we, we got in this huge fight, but then we got to deal with some, some, some difficult things and maybe our marriage was better on the other side of this. And so now I know it was God's plan for me to scream at my wife, you know, no, no, no. no. Don't focus on the blame of the situation. Focus on the redemption of God through our terrible decisions. Like that's beautiful, isn't it? And that's what I want to see in my life. I want to see that in your life where we can go, listen, I, don't, I, don't, I, can't, I can't unpack this perfectly for you guys. Maybe you're asking, can, can my pain be a product of my sin? I want to tell you the Bible is so clear. Yes, it can be. Can my pain be a product of other people's sin? Yes, it can be. It, but, but, but what we see in this situation is that that is not always the case. Sometimes God just allows us to go through difficult things so that the glory of God might be revealed through our terrible situation. And you make a choice. You get to make a choice today. What will you do through your pain? Fixes are found in how freedom is found in who you trust in. Verse 35 says, Jesus heard that they had cast this man out. The religious leaders didn't want anything to do with this man because they're like, hey, I think he believes in Jesus. And having found him, he said, Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, and who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Verse 38, he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. So this man, when he speaks to Jesus, first he's healed physically. And then in this moment, he is healed spiritually. Jesus gives this man a better healing than he could have ever dreamed of. I'd imagine his whole life, he just wanted to be able to see. In this moment, Jesus is like, I'm going to give you something even better than seeing. I am going to give you life to the fullest. You might think, well, of course he believed. Of course he believed. But, But Jesus healed all kinds of people who didn't believe, right? Jesus gave food to all kinds of people, worked miracles in front of all kinds of people who didn't believe, and yet this man chose to believe. Romans 5, 3 says, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Think of this man. At this point, he's able to rejoice through his sufferings because Jesus opened not just his eyes physically, but also his heart and gave him salvation. This man's pain, we're still experiencing a benefit from it today. Here we are. Did this man know that in Eagle River in 2017, there'd be a church talking about his story? No way. There was a purpose to this man's pain. The pain of your past has a purpose for your future. Know that today. Whatever it is that you've gone through, whatever it is that you're going through, there is a purpose for your pain. And that's what's, that's what's awesome, is you, but you have to go back into it and be willing to deal with it. You have to be willing to talk it through with the people around you. Find people who love you enough to let you be that, that, that broken person and to hear things about your story that maybe don't look super pretty so that they can help you walk through your pain. It's why we do ACF groups together. It's why we believe so much that church is so much more than Sunday morning. It's in the community. It's throughout the week. It's with relationships and over coffee during the week. We need to do this together. Don't just process through this stuff alone. You'll just be a depressed wreck, right? You need people with you to walk through this together. And what you might even find is it may change their life watching you do it. 
You might, you might see an opportunity then, once you get healing through this, to walk with other people through the same situation. And th- those of you who I know who, who have gotten to do this, this is the most beautiful thing in your life, is that you can see God's redemption and beauty and his glory revealed through terrible, terrible pain in your world. And so here's my prayer. My prayer is that this reality that your pain can have a purpose will help you to go through your pain instead of around it would help you actually go back to your past so that you could move forward. And so that like this man, you might have not just your eyes opened, your pain healed, but also your heart opened, not simply to, 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 to the situation or an explanation, but to the who that saved you, the one that this is all about. And it's so much about Jesus. And Jesus takes this personally because he actually decides to take our pain upon himself, doesn't he? He says, I'm not going to simply heal you from a distance. I'm actually going to become human. I'm going to take on the likeness of a man. And I'm going to experience your pain so that there can be healing in your life. Jesus understands empathy in ways that many of us don't. He enters into our pain so that we can have freedom. Let's pray together. Jesus, we all have a story and... uh, God, I can think of things in my life that I, uh, I wish would, would have never happened. Things that I just want you to take away from me. Memories and thoughts that uh, I don't want to deal with. And I know in this room, God, there are hundreds of similar situations. But God, I, I believe with all my heart today that there is true freedom on the other side of our pain. If we're willing to go through it instead of around it. So God, bring to our minds and our hearts uh, the things that have shaped us. Sometimes, God, we have, we have suppressed those things and ignored those things for so long, they don't even come to mind anymore. God, could you, could you help us to kind of dig those things out of our lives? God, could we also notice the things in our lives that we've seen your healing in? Could we become very aware today of those, those places where we have seen your redemption, that we might believe, God, that you can heal this issue as well? I want to pray for the person here today who's never trusted anyone with their pain, let alone in some God who could have stopped it. God, could you bring forgiveness and openness to their hearts today? That all of us might be willing to look at you, God, as a God who's all-loving. God, you're all-powerful and you are all-loving. And God, though we don't understand why we went through what we did, God, we don't want to blame you. We just ask, God, that you would show us redemption through our pain. God, that ultimately your glory might be revealed and that, God, you'd grow us in our humility the way that you grew Paul in his. We love you, God. We worship you. We're grateful for your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.